Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my trusted colleague, Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field West. We're about a week into training camp, and I know a lot of fans want to know what's going on with the position battles and competition and all that kind of stuff. The reality is this. The pads go on in training camp shortly after you and I get done taping this. There has not been a padded practice yet. So rather than pontificate on non-padded practices, I thought we could actually focus this episode on some of the insight that we are getting into veteran players on this roster as they have come into the media auditorium to speak to the media at the podium uh, for, for an extended period of time. Over the last several days, I'm telling you fans, if you haven't had a chance to go on Packers.com and watch some of these press conferences, you will really get a feel for the personalities of some of these players, the players who have been with the Packers for several years now. And I want to start with Mercedes Lewis, Wes, because his session with the media yesterday was um, was as enlightening, as entertaining, as down-to-earth as maybe one that I have heard in quite some time. He is really... He's not just a special football player and a special presence in that locker room for the Packers. He's a he's just a really really special human. I could sit and listen to him talk about football life and leadership all day long. Yeah, I think that was pretty much the sentiment of every reporter leaving the auditorium. I heard Jason Wildey say that as well as soon as he walked off the podium after an 18-minute news conference uh, on Monday. Listen, I, I touched on this at Insider Inbox uh, on my Tuesday edition. That's him. That's the guy that came into the Packers locker room three years ago and I think just sort of blew everybody away, uh, earned the respect of Aaron Rodgers, a guy that, you know, is, is, it's so funny for Lewis saying over and over again, he's not a you rah rah guy. He even said, I'm not somebody that's going to walk in the locker room and be like, ah, you know, like <laughs> there can only be one Highlander. But the way he conducts himself, he's the guy giving the pregame speeches. After tough losses, he's the guy giving the postgame speech to, to the locker room from a player perspective. Right. That's just the way this guy is built. But as you said, I really thoroughly enjoyed this transition back to having in-person press conferences. Now, it's still not quite the same as when we're just all huddled around a guy, just kind of being able to shoot the breeze a little bit. But it is a big step forward from Zoom. And as good as Lewis was last year on Zoom, and he still was very thoughtful in that capacity, there's something about his energy and the way he conducts himself that it just it meshes well uh, in human interpersonal communication and just hearing a little bit you know Matt Schneidman asked him that first question why are you still here yeah 16 years of NFL football 217 regular season games what keeps you coming back and he told a really neat story about well actually really a sad story an uplifting story but about his mom who gave birth to him at 15 and seeing everything that she went through to help raise him and how difficult that was how nothing he could ever do touches that having that kind of foundation and that framework I think that set him up for uh, a really humble approach to professional football. When you're a first-round pick at the tight end position in yeah. 2006, that isn't always going to be a position of humility. But I think because of that base, it's allowed him to make adjustments throughout the course of his career that's made it accepting of roles. And in this particular case, it's as you know the wise veteran on this ball club. Yeah, and I think it's not even just accepting of roles, but honestly, like embracing whatever role that he is given. Because this is a guy, we've seen him catch a couple of touchdown passes here and there. He does get involved in the passing game, but it's still 
very rarely. He he really is looked at as as that extra offensive lineman for a lot of the running packages. He does a lot of the dirty work, and he is counted on to have that presence in the locker room, and especially within uh, his own position group. You wrote it's a story on our website now that the relationship that's developed between Mercedes Lewis and and Robert Tunyon, you know, the the mentor mentee. But something that, uh, you know, and, and he's not going to, as you said, he's not the you rah-rah guy. He's not going to be running out on the field and slapping Robert Tunyon on the rear end after a, a touchdown catch or something. But he takes a lot of pride in what Tunyon has accomplished because Tunyon is a guy who has been in his ear, yeah. you know, practically from day one, been in his hip pocket to try to learn, to absorb, to take in everything he can about all of the the different facets of the tight end position and how to become a complete pro at that position. And uh, you couldn't ask for somebody better than Mercedes Lewis to impart that wisdom because he does it, he does it so willingly and, uh, and so enthusiastically to those guys who are, who are asking for it. Yeah. And naturally, you know, it's not something that's forced. It's something you can tell that he enjoys. And I remember sitting down with, with Tunyon back when we used to be able to be in the locker room in 2018. It was his first training camp when he was trying as sort of a long shot to make the roster as a number three or number four tight end. And I remember him talking about what it's been like working with Jimmy Graham in Mercedes Lewis at the time. Graham, he was working with one of the best pass catching tight ends in NFL history. And Lewis, who pound for pound for what he does and the, the job that he fills, one of the most well-rounded tight ends. Uh, in the modern era. And and he hasn't changed that perspective. He still enjoys seeking information. And Lewis even touched on it. I mean, him going to the tight end U thing that Kittle and, and Tunyon and all these tight ends were putting on this offseason in Nashville, he enjoyed going there and speaking for 15, 20 minutes because the position he plays at tight end is one that's long been disrespected in the National Football League. The last thought I had is, as Lewis walked off the podium and this is no disrespect to anybody, but something crossed my mind. I thought to myself, how did the Jacksonville Jaguars ever let this guy go? <laughs> I don't care if your record is 1-15, 15-1. You want to have Mercedes Lewis in your locker room. Now, it ended up being good for Lewis because it gave him a chance to have a real legitimate shot here at getting that Super Bowl ring that's eluded him. But when you have a specimen, a human being, a guy that thinks the way that Lewis thinks, that, that's going to make the rest of your football team better, and that's why Lewis, at 37 years old, he said the athletic ability is going to wane. It just happens. Yeah. But his heart, his size, and his approach to the game, that never stops. Yeah, and it's, and it's second to none, quite frankly, in a lot of those uh, categories. Um, quickly, Wes, Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7. 365. Well, another veteran player we heard from yesterday, and I, I really enjoyed getting his perspective, and I'm talking about Preston Smith, because, you know, his first year here and even a good chunk of last year, most of what we got from Preston media-wise was always, you know, Preston and Zadarius doing their media thing together. They're really good friends. They have a lot of fun with it. That's all fine and good. Zadarius Smith currently not practicing. He's on the NFI list. Preston spoke with the media at at the podium and you know he didn't he didn't shy away at all from the questions about you know the lack of productivity last year his sacks went from he had 12 in 2019 a couple more in the playoffs that year to then he only had four 
last season. He did talk about the fact that, yeah, his role changed. Kyler Fackrell did a lot of the dropping into coverage and whatnot in 2019. He was gone. He left as a free agent. So in 2020, Preston Smith was the best guy they had at that position to handle some of that. So pass rushing opportunities dwindled. But he also said, I don't want to have the same season I had last year. He acknowledged that he didn't play as well. Um, He knows he can play better. He knows he can get back to the form of 2019. And um, I'll just say this, Wes. You know, I I say it a lot in Insider Inbox. You never underestimate a motivated professional athlete. And Preston Smith in 2021 looks to me like a motivated professional athlete. He very much does. And what's interesting, I don't know if it's because it's been so long since a lot of these guys have had face-to-face interaction with the media or the fact that, you know, they're not being asked to do interviews every day. But we've been on the string here of, like, guys having all-time press conferences like the last three, four days. Jair Alexander had one, too, at the end of last week. In my opinion, that was Preston Smith's best press conference as a member of the Green Bay Packers. Yep. Maybe not the most entertaining, but I mean, in terms of the what came out of it. Yeah, the insight that you get. I mean, Randall Cobb's last week yes. when, he, when he was brought back, same type of thing, which is why I wanted to talk about these yeah. in the show today because they really, they really do, they really are giving us members of the media, reporters, everybody who's listening, the fans who watch the press conferences on the website. You really do get a better feel for the personalities yes. of these players. And I want to touch really quickly on the Kyler Fackrell thing because I know some people are going to hear Preston talk about that and be like oh that's just an excuse or whatever go back to 2019 go back to those press conferences with the Smith bros and with Mike Smith the outside linebackers coach how many times did they talk about what Kyler Fackrell meant to that group yeah because he was the one doing a lot of that dirty work he was the one having to pick up those assignments last year they didn't have that guy Rashawn Gary is more in that mold of Zadaria Smith where it's right. a lot of there's versatility there but it's all pretty much happening on the defensive front so Preston Smith had to be kind of the guy that picked up that weight. So what I my takeaway was when he mentioned this is that, you know, the question was asked, did you think after a, the end of last season that could be it for you here? And he's like, no. And he, he had a line in there. I'm going to butcher it here because I don't have it directly in front of me, but basically saying something along the lines of, I wanted to do what I had to do to come back with his contract and everything else because he, he knew what was in place here and the direction things were heading. And Joe Barry, to his credit, the new defensive coordinator, I made the tweet on Monday watching him during the team period just hopping up and down. This is a guy <laughs> in, what, his mid-50s now at this point, hopping up and down like a kid as his defense is getting set and trying to make the adjustments to Aaron Rodgers' adjustments. You can tell these guys are motivated by, by Barry's message. And in Preston's specific case, this is a guy he played for before in Washington. So I just think with – the way that Barry is going to lay this thing out, once you get Sedarius Smith back from the back injury, the, tr- the direction that Rashawn Gary's heading, and, and Preston was very complimentary of him in that regard, I, I think those three outside linebackers, there's going to be a big opportunity if they can stay healthy this year for all three of them to make a big impact. Yeah, well, Preston kept it pretty simple. I mean, he was asked about, you know, what, why did you decide to come back? He had to accept, you know, a salary reduction, a, a contract restructure with incent- all these incentives built in, an opportunity to win back the money. We've seen that work before here, by the way, with a guy named Mason Crosby, yeah. so I'll just throw that out there. But, but Captain, Pre- Preston kept it pretty simple in, in, in that he's like, hey, 
we're, we're right there. You know, this team is right there. I haven't been to NFC Championship games. I didn't get to do that in Washington. I've been to NFC Championship games twice in a row. We know we have a shot here. And, uh, um, and you know, I, I appreciated the candor. And I love you, you brought the Mason Crosby example up. You know, 2012, things did not go his way. 2013, Mason reduced his salary to like $800,000. Took millions off his salary, but the way they worked the bonuses is he could earn every dime back, and he did. Yep. He had a career year at the time. So for Preston's perspective, he said he's not thinking about the sack totals that'll get the, you know, the enhancers in there. He's thinking about what's in front of him. And I just, I got to say it, Mike. I mean, when you come off a year like last year, which can be frustrating, can be humbling, I, I think you're going to see a guy coming back now, especially with this structure in place, that's going to be motivated to show that he's still that same player that broke out for the Green Bay Packers in 2019 yeah. when maybe a lot of folks weren't expecting it. Yeah. Well, another motivated player, um, and we'll flip back to the offensive side of the ball, another motivated player here in 2021 without question is Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the wide receiver. He is now entering his fourth season, fifth-round draft pick in 2018 so this is the final year of his rookie deal now he's coming off of his career highs in terms of yardage touchdowns you know 690 yards I think was roughly the number six touchdowns in the regular season had a big time performance in the NFC championship game against Tampa Bay but uh thing I the thing I like the thing I like about MVS and I know fans get frustrated with the drop passes and the inconsistency and everything like that but as much as MVS doesn't revisit those down moments with the media, he also doesn't stand in front of the cameras and talk, you know, say, hey, well, what about my 72-yard touchdown against yeah. the Bears that helped get the number one seed? What about my 50-yard touchdown against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game? He doesn't go that route either. He's just, it's all about what's in front of him. And and he's got a lot in front of him here. This is a pivotal year in his career. And the Packers aren't necessarily worried right now about whatever the next contract is going to be for him. And he's not either. It's just whatever happens in 2021, it's it's going to tell the story and it's going to speak for itself. That's kind of where things are with this guy. Right? Yeah, and, and especially the entire construct right now, of these offensive skill position players. I mean, there, there's no gambling in Bushwood here, sir. But <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't put a single penny down on what the snap totals are going to look like right. in the opener against the Saints. Because you have Devontae Adams, you know he's going to play a lot. But these other chess pieces here, whether it is Lewis and Tunyon or whether it's MVS and and Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb and Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper, Amari Rogers, and some of these <laughs> other guys that are involved, the running backs. Right. There's so many different directions they can go. But what intrigues me the most about Valdez Scantling with the way that the Packers have built out these offensive weapons is he's a guy that when he's on the field, you know the defensive coordinator and the safeties are paying attention to him because it's been shown time and time again how this guy can hurt you if you don't account for him on the field. Yeah. You can't just ask cornerback to go and play him straight up. You need to have some type of attention over there just in case he ends up going over the top of you. And Valdez Scantling said when he was asked at the news conference, hey, Eric Stokes is in here with the 4-2-5-40. Who's the fastest guy on the team? And before you could even get that last word out, MVS with a straight face was like, yeah, no, it's still me. <laughs> I mean, the guy's confident in his abilities. And, and certainly I thought the last year, the end of the season, that to me, and you kind of asked Matt LaFleur about this, but that to me, the way that guy ended the season, 
that is a sweet taste to have in your mouth going to the next season. Not saying that you're going to get complacent, yeah. but it's a lot different when you have something like that to build off of rather than thinking of some disappointment in what, how you perform. Yeah, I mean, Matt LaFleur said for MVS, and, and it goes for you know what we've seen of him throughout his career, it's all about the consistency. I mean, this guy is among the league leaders over the last, over the three years of his career in terms of 40-plus yard receptions, 40-plus yard touchdowns. He's, he's right up there at the, at the top in the league. But you look at last year, even with the career high in yardage and touchdowns, he still had five games where he didn't catch a pass and two other games where he only caught one right. pass. The, the, the potential, now granted, this is an offense, as you said. I mean, there's Devontae Adams. Now there's Randall Cobb. Amari Rogers is in the mix. Alan Lazard is right there. So there's only so many footballs to go around, right? But you just you look at the game you look at the game by game production and uh, and there's there's certainly more out there for MVS and I think uh, um, you know I I think he's certainly going to have a chance to uh, to have that you know career year at the right time here in year four. One other guy I want to get to before we go and you brought it up uh, you brought it up earlier in terms of his news conference and it's Jair Alexander. Yeah, that was. Uh, um, that was rather entertaining. We've seen him on Zoom with the sunglasses and and all of that before, but uh, um, but you asked him, you know, and you wrote the story. It's on our website for those uh, for those who want to go find it. This is a guy who, I mean, he's he's got the Pro Bowl and the All Pro recognition and everything now. Three years into uh, three years into his NFL career, and this is a guy that that back in high school, even in college, to a certain extent couldn't get anybody to pay attention to the ability that he had and uh and you know guys don't guys usually don't get overly bothered or worried necessarily about those accolades and I'm not saying that Jair Alexander has but at the same time the recognition that he's getting as an NFL player really means something to him it's a juxtaposition to everything he went through with his first 21 years of his life yeah and if you sit down, for me, Mike, so this is my 10th year doing this as a Packers reporter. I'm now going to my 15th, 16th year as an actual sports reporter. Jair Alexander unequivocally is the most fascinating human being I've covered in any sport. I don't care if it was Bayport Cross Country or the Green Bay Packers. He fascinates me because his story is incredible. If you know where he comes from, just from a family perspective and what this means to his family for him to make it to this step, to understanding why he carries himself the way he is. You can hear him speak. You can read his words in a newspaper, but you got to understand the meaning behind those words. When he says, I'm the best, he says that because nobody wanted to even say he was good. (laughs) He says that I'm, I feel like I can be the greatest cornerback of all time because there was people out there that didn't think he was the best cornerback in even the city of Charlotte. Yeah. This is an individual that has been at countless points of his life the only person that believed in himself, maybe outside of his family. But, I mean, in terms of just knowing that, hey, I feel like I can do this, I'm going to do it, and I don't care what anyone else says. So that's why I asked him the question about the, the All-Pro and the Pro Bowl is that for the very first time, this is a guy that's now being thrown in the conversation with Stephon Gilmore. He's being thrown in the conversation with Jalen Ramsey and these young corners in this league that are basically ushering the next generation of that position. And for him to be able to clear out everything and just focus on what's in front of him, that's what makes him special. The 40 time, the athleticism, the vertical, the press man skills, all that stuff made him a first round pick. But it's that aspect of his mental approach that's going to make him a really 
really noteworthy player for years to come. Well, and it speaks to the respect that he's garnered from his peers with regard to Pro Bowl and whatnot and coaches, other players around the league and all that, and from the media with regard to the uh, second-team All-Pro recognition that a guy at his position at cornerback gets an interception in week one, and that's his only interception of the regular season, and yet at by season's end he does have those accolades. And then he goes out in the NFC Championship game and picks off Tom Brady two times. So um, we have not seen the best yet of Jair Alexander. I think that's, uh, I think that's a pretty safe statement and uh, can't wait to see and what exactly lies ahead. You covered this team longer than I have. I still have yet to see someone, at least in Green Bay, that teams just won't even throw at. <laughs> like they just, there were yeah. intervals last year where they just gave up throwing at them. It's incredible. There were, t- there were times when I first got here in, in that 2006-2007 where there were quarterbacks who definitely stayed away from Al Harris at times, um, but I would say not quite to the extent that we've seen almost a fear of challenging Jair yeah. Alexander in just four quarters of shutouts I mean I I didn't get a chance to go back and look at the numbers but I mean he threw a couple shutouts for sure last season and again it's that type of guy that when you talk about building a championship caliber defense this top five defense the Packers have been looking for for the last 10 years Alexander's a guy that could do it yeah all right well with that we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted be sure to follow all of our coverage of training camp on Packers.com the pads go on today it's going to start to ramp up and get a little bit more interesting for Wes I am Mike thank you for tuning in everybody we will see you next time